Hello, everybody. This is Mike from Top 10 with Kyle and Mike. This week, we have a very special episode for you, our first guest Top 10. We'll be joined today by our dear friend, Jameson, who we will henceforth be referring to as J-Bone or Jabone. So as always, one of us will be presenting a Top 10 list unbeknownst to the other. This week, it will be Kyle, at which point I, as, long, as well as our guest, will be discussing the Top 10. So Kyle, what's our top 10 this week? Okay, Mike, this week we are going to be ranking the top 10 Nintendo 64 games of all time. Oh, you know, I was really hoping this would be a top 10 list at some point. It was always going to be, um, and I'm glad we're doing it Mm -hmm. with a guest here because this is going to, I feel like this is going to be the most contentious one yet, and I think it's good that... (laughs) <laughs> because we have tend to agree on like almost everything we do on this podcast, I'm glad we've got someone to... We <laughs> just actually criticized me the other day. She's like, you guys are, have a great podcast, but like, you're way too civil. You're like, oh yeah, I think it's a great idea, Mike. We'll just move it up here. <laughs> yeah, we, we've decided from the start. We don't want to just play radio and, and pretend we're fighting about stuff. And we've admitted that a lot of our background is fairly similar. Our worldviews tend to be a little homogenous. I think the biggest advantage here is is not so much that we're going to be bringing in somebody so different from us because we are bringing in our best friend who also shares many of our similar background <laughs> uh, fact, factors here. But I think the big thing is it's not possible to have enough possible options here. There's so many possibilities, whereas dragons, you're kind of limited to a certain list. This list, there's so many choices that I think it's good that we're going to get fictional a lot of dragons uh, or real ones. Yeah. <laughs> Shut up, fictional, real, whatever. All right, uh, yeah, you're right. I've got a really long list of honorable mentions here, and I just like stopped listing them. Um, mm-hmm. And I think I feel like a lot of these potentially could end up on our list depending on how it shakes out. So let's get let's get right into the top ten and we can we can circle back on honorable mentions. I think it makes more sense to do it after this week because a lot okay. of them are so good. Um so number ten is DK sixty four. Mm. Remember this one? Oh yeah. Yeah. this one well known because you needed to insert that little yellow like thing inside the front of your N sixty four. Yes. It's the worst. Yeah. It made playdates really logistically challenging to be like Austin <laughs> Austin, come over we're gonna play DK. He's like, oh, dude, you you don't have DK though. Like, if only one of your, if only one of you had it, like he had to bring his Nintendo over, or I had to go to his house. It's ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> but once you got it set up, that was a great game. Uh, it kind of copied a lot of other platformers from that era, but it was also had a really cool multiplayer. And I think the best thing about that game, of course, is the rap at the beginning. Oh, without a doubt, that is one of the all-time great video game soundtrack moments. I mean, maybe top top three, if not top of all time. It's probably one of the greatest. Rap yeah, you don't get to make another time, top so. ten, Jameson. Uh, we've already decided on the top ten for this week. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm I'm just like kicking the can down the road a little bit, but I was gonna say it's up there with the Pokemon rap at the end of each episode. So, you know, that's fair. Yeah, I don't I don't remember the DK sixty four game standing out uh, all that much, uh, particularly from its. Donkey Kong predecessors um, in terms of innovation or from its N64 sort of counterparts. But I do remember it just being a terrific game. And like you said, having some particularly memorable elements like the rap. 
That, and it was unique in that you could play as DK, but there were six total playable characters, so you could play as Lanky. And they all had those really goofy, different, like, guns. Like, he had, um, <clears throat> like, a grape shooter, and Diddy had the peanut guns. And, I love uh, Diddy. I'm a sucker <laughs> for Diddy. Diddy with the jetpacks, and Tiny would shoot feathers out of her gun. And then, what's the, um, the big guy that would shoot water, like, basically watermelon bazooka? Oh, I know exactly who you're talking about. Chunky Kong? No. No. <laughs> <laughs> It's in that the likely correct enough for this podcast? He's chunky. <laughs> no, he's got... Yeah. I mean, because he's almost as big as Donkey Kong. He's bigger. I think he's bigger. Uh, wow. I just Googled Chunky Chunky Kong is a thing. Uh, oh. Yeah. Is that really his name? Yeah, he's the strongest uh, member of the Kong something. I'm loading the wiki up page right now. <laughs> uh, he's the strongest member of the Kong family. Wow. I'm trying to remember yep. how his how his rap part goes. I can't right now. <laughs> There's also somebody called Swanky Kong, just, just <laughs> from what I can tell from the, the wiki page. I'm pretty sure Aziz Ansari made that one up. <laughs> yeah. All right, Kyle. What uh, what else to you stands out about this game? What, what, what gets it a spot on here? What is it that, that you love so much? The combination of... <clears throat> honestly, the, the rap is... I think everybody knows a portion of that rap. It's very lingering. Uh, I have a, a, the fact that it was unique and that it had that little chip in it. Like that makes it stands out to me as an N sixty four game. Yeah, that's uh, big. I, I I totally identify with that. This game is challenging, super fun. Um, it's pretty derivative of of some other games on this list, but it has enough unique elements that I thought it warranted being on here. Yeah. Um, let's move on to number nine. I have Banjo and Kazooie. Yeah, of course. <laughs> Not to be confused with Banjo and Tui, the cleverly named <laughs> sequel. Yeah. Cameron does a really good impression of how all the characters talk in this game. Though. <laughs> I think you do a pretty good impression, yeah. too. Cam's is better, but... <laughs> this is, like, a lot of these games are platformers. <laughs> As a reminder the for the audience, uh, Cam or Cameron is Kyle's immensely talented younger brother. He's basically just Kyle, but with more talent. Right. Voice talent, at least. Yeah. Um, uh, well, most things. Game... <laughs> yeah, yeah, most, almost everything. Um, yeah, I love. I never actually owned this game, I don't think. This is one of those games that I had to go over a friend's house to play. Um, yeah. But I remember... It was just super fun the first time that I realized that you could have um, uh, Kazooie, like, in your backpack, like, extend his legs out of the backpack, and then Banjo yeah. would just lean back, and you'd run around with Banjo on his back. <laughs> so, <laughs> it was super fun. I, I just really love that game. And the reason it's higher than DK, I guess, is just because, like, DK, that game... <clears throat> There are a lot of Donkey Kong games before that one, and there are a lot after it. Banjo had obviously Banjo and Two the sequel, but as like a original character and original product, it stuck out in my head a lot as a kid. Yeah. Um, plus, that witch scared me. It scared me a lot. <laughs> yeah, I was just gonna. I was just gonna bring up the witch. There to me, there's not a whole lot when I'm sort of looking back at my Banjo uh, and Kazooie and Banjo Tooie kind of t- memories, there's not a ton that sticks out except for just a few things. One is the witch. And two, the biggest thing that sticks out to me was the uh, the actual environments. 
Like, I remember the level design being incredible and really different. Um, I I loved the landscapes. I thought that's that's one of the most memorable things to me. For sure. And you collected those honeycomb things. And now that we've been talking about it a little bit, do you guys remember um, the shaman Mumbo Jumbo or whatever his name was? Oh, yeah. (laughs) I think in some levels you could play as him. And he had that, like, crazy shaman stick like Rafiki has. You could whack things (laughs) with. Yeah. <laughs> I really want to. This is bad. I'm gonna to want to play all these games now. Um, I know, but unfortunately, our, we don't have a 64. Gotta get one of those retro consoles. Yeah, well, there's a lot of ways you can do it now. Like I know on all the newer Nintendo systems, you can port them. Oh, or wow. if you want to go outside of the law a little bit, there's emulators pretty yeah. readily available. <laughs> um, Not that so. we're uh, advocating for we, that. We don't no. condone that on this podcast. You wouldn't no. steal a car. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so Banjo and Kazooie's nine. Number eight, I can't believe it's this low on the list, but there are so many good games on the N64. Number eight is Pokemon Stadium. Whoa. I think this is fair. I think shots fired. It's see, I think this is fair, but only because it's at the same time as the actual Game Boy games, and because those like actually had a legitimate world outside. Really, I think. Outside of the battles, I mean, there was a lot of visual good stuff, and really, you kind of had to put together a great team in order to beat your friends. But, uh, like, it just doesn't stand up quite as well against the actual like handheld games. I think. So, I, I hot take that's probably not actually a hot take at all. But for me, this was all about the mini games. Yes, uh, the amen. actual stadium. The actual stadium battles were ho hum to me because it had, in my opinion, at least, it had too much to do um, with luck and kind of timing and in, in, in the arena. But the mini games were incredible. Think. So yeah. my sisters and I, my that's probably true. <laughs> but uh, my sisters and I played the mini games endlessly, uh, and my sisters didn't game with me that much. They did They did sometimes. There were a couple games. We played a lot of all-star baseball together, but um, they played this with me for a long time, far after they stopped playing video games otherwise, because it was such a relatable, fun game. Like, we act, this actually came up just the other day. We were in the car, and um, we were talking about the Ekans level. Ekans! <laughs> when you yep. throw him uh, onto the diglets. Yeah, yeah, you pull back the joystick and let yep. it go, and you, like, fling them. Yeah. Yep. And then, like, and the, then rata- we talking the about, ratatata yep. scamper. Yep, and then the one where uh, Pikachu is charging up at the different stations. <laughs> uh, there's, I mean, there's so many great ones. I, my personal favorite was the one where you were either Kakuna or Metapod, and large yep. rocks harden on you, and yep. you had to harden at just the right time, and you only had, like, a certain amount of hardened juice before you were smashed by a rock. That was a good one. That's an outstanding one. I loved uh, I love when you're Clefairy and you're catching the eggs. I think our favorite... I know Felicia, my uh, middle of my two older sisters, uh, her favorite is the one where you... Um, where you're Lickitung and yeah. you're in the sushi restaurant. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, we love that. There's some great ones. That's, but here's exactly my question. Right. But I think... Yeah. Well, you hit on two things. One, like, once the novelty of seeing Pokemon in 3D wears off yeah. after a couple of battles, the minigames stand the test of time. And the, another thing you said is, like, even if you're not into video games, like, this, I think a lot of people know this game and have played it. 
Like I know a lot of absolutely. Like, we used to play this a lot at family gatherings when I was younger, and even my like my cousins and stuff that didn't really play video games would play this game. It's very popular, more more so than like you know banjo and DK. I would say. Well, I have one question though that I think could potentially um, affect where we end up ranking this because I definitely think it belongs in the top ten. But my curiosity is. Do you think we split the vote a little bit between Pokemon Stadium and Pokemon Stadium 2? I don't remember playing Pokemon Stadium 2 as much. I couldn't tell you any of the uh, the mini-games off the top of my or, head. Like, really any distinguishing factors, to be honest. I mean, those, yeah. those kind of get lumped to... Especially the sequels on the same platform for games yeah. like that, where the mini-games are distinguishing. I, I have a tough time... Like, going back that far. And maybe that's just on me. Full disclosure, <laughs> I forgot it existed. I don't, I, <laughs> really? And it, is, and it is on the N64. It's not a GameCube game, right? Yeah, no, because Pokemon Coliseum was the first one to come out on GameCube. No, there's there's a couple, actually, that are outstanding. Uh, I'm actually just looking right now, and a couple of the ones that I associate with Pokemon Stadium are actually Pokemon Stadium 2 games, and I think we all were screwing up a couple of them. Um, so yeah, so the Clefairy, I I think I was probably the one who started it, uh, as I usually am when we get things wrong. Um, but the Egg Emergency with Clefairy, that's a Pokemon Stadium 2 game. The, uh, Pikachu's, uh, the little power plant, or Pichu's power plant, that's also a Pokemon Stadium 2 game. But the one that I remember from this one that I really liked, well, two actually, are, uh, Barrier Ball, with mime, so that's the one where you he creates the barrier and you have to hit pokeballs and you try to hit them into your uh, partner's um, net. And then the other one that I loved, loved, loved is clear cut. It's Scyther and Pincer, and the log drops from the sky and you have to oh, try to cut on the line. That is a really good one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so that's that's my only concern is some of these classics are actually Pokemon Stadium 2 and I think they run together a little bit interesting alright well yeah. we can table that and discuss it more in depth later yeah um, this is another one that I cannot believe is ranked this low as it's one of our favorites and one of our favorites to quote I'm gonna get so mad at you this is higher than 6 I know what you're about to say screw you Kyle this is higher than 6 Mike wait till you or hear seven, what else is on this list and I, <laughs> Star Fox 64 probably <laughs> has the most recognizable quote from any of these games. Like people, people probably don't even know that it's from Star Fox when they shout, "Do a barrel roll! Do a barrel roll! <laughs> Try a somersault!" <laughs> I was talking about the one. See, but what's funny is everybody else knows that quote, but our favorite quote is not that. Our favorite, <laughs> "I can't stop it." When he puts the emphasis on the wrong word, it's not, I can't stop, it's, I can't stop it. With that weird, totally like, nonsensical. I want to get you, yeah. Star Fox. Yeah, there's some, it's almost like some really dumb racist put this game together and like got very confused about their ridiculous racial stereotypes. And you is ended up with or a Cajun South. We don't know what don't know. it is. We're very confused about what it is. All Clearly we know is they were well. trying to offend somebody and just confused everybody. <laughs> Managed to offend no one and just delight a lot of people, I think. <laughs> yeah. My friend uh, my friend Cody from work 
uh, was telling me that his mom, he got this game and then like two weeks later he had to stop playing it because she walked by in the Star Wolf level when he goes, what the heck? <laughs> and she was not having that. So yeah, it's a pretty, it's a pretty racy game. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I mean, mean I'm, go ahead. No, please, Jameson. No, I was just going to make a joke that the time is now passed for, so go ahead. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry, my friend. Uh, they call me the rhythm assassin, and I, I'm the joke assassin from time to time. Um, I think I think one big thing that doesn't can't go unmentioned is how innovative the flying system was at the time. Um, yeah. So the PlayStation, or PlayStation, the Nintendo 64 with the joystick was kind of a big innovation uh, instead of just using a directional pad. <laughs> And the way that this game integrated that was was pretty revolutionary. And I mean, it even today it's pretty easy to fly. Like it's it's a fun, easy flying system. The way that the camera adjusts when you you know do a barrel roll or mm-hmm. a somersault or whatever it is you do, it actually adjusts pretty well. And um, it was pretty it's pretty good system. And not to mention that it integrated different vehicles. That Mars rover kind of vehicle you're the in, Landmaster the level, famous train level is incredible like it's pretty cool how the yeah the ship controls translate like pretty much directly to the landmaster which is neat and rewarding yeah i'd say the only really bad thing about this game is slippy like slippy's voice in particular i was just gonna say it's slippy slippy's the only problem with this game (laughs) but that's kind of sex (laughs) but slippy is now so memorable she's kitschy at this point it is kind of I I love how memorable their personalities are. Like Slippy is just like the adoring lackey that like just loves Fox so much, and Peppy's the older guy dropping hints of wisdom to do barrel rolls oh, yeah. and somersaults. Yeah. And Falco's just a dick. <laughs> yeah, Falco is. Hey, a dick. Doesn't it turn out that doesn't it turn out that Slippy's actually a a boy? Didn't you tell me this recently that Slippy is not actually a, a female character? Yeah, so I'm basing this judgment off of the fact that I played Star Fox Assault for the DS. And in this oh, game, Slippy's, yeah, I I was into video games probably longer than I should have been. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, like this was well into my high school career, I think. And uh, so Slippy in that game is engaged to a female toad, like a very clearly female toad, like pink and wearing a bow. That doesn't rule out the fact that I guess Slippy could be gay, but I think that the implication <laughs> is, yeah. I think I, I think Nintendo and uh, its DS platformers wasn't looking to make any kind of statements. Like, I think they sort of follow like the Pepsi model, and let's just offend nobody and kind of interest nobody. So we're just going to be pretty pretty plain vanilla here. And yes, I did also look it up, and and the internet proves that Slippy was in fact a boy toad. <laughs> were we referencing the Kindle Jenner ad there, or what? Because otherwise, that's oh, that's a good point. I, no, I'm just pointing out that generally big <laughs> brands like to stay neutral and just keep everybody kind of low level happy. <laughs> I didn't know if you were throwing shade at a potential sponsor. Is the thing? No, lol. No, nope. <laughs> we, we would we would love if Pepsi sponsored us. Uh, that would mean that I was probably not doing as many of these in a row. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, fair point. Um. Yeah, Star Fox 64. Again, hard to believe that it's this low. And maybe it'll go up, but I'm telling you what, there's a lot of great games for the N64. So quickly, Yeah, there's a couple that I'm definitely thinking of. Yeah. 
Quick recap. DK64 at 10. Banjo and Kazooie, number 9. Pokemon Stadium, number 8. Star Fox 64, number 7. Moving on to number 6. Ocarina of Time from the Legend of Zelda series. Great game. Ocarina of Time, I will say, uh, loses some points because it's not a multiplayer game, and the N64 is the ultimate couch system. Um, and there's no multiplayer component to this game or like really any other Zelda game before uh, like the Game Boy Advance, I think. Um, Four Swords, I think it was called. But Ocarina of Time is considered by some to be the greatest game of all time. Like, not just N64 games, or not just Zelda games. Most people consider it to be the best Zelda game. Did you guys ever play through Ocarina of Time? I never played all the way through it. I've played some levels. I remember it was sucking me in, but I'd never had an N64 in my house, so I always mm. had to go to a oh. friend's house to play this. You need to invest time in it. I replayed this game over, like, Christmas break when we were in college, this game is challenging for an adult. It's hard. The Water Temple took me like a day to beat. It's fiendishly difficult. It's really well put together. It's a really actually compelling storyline. Um, most of the Zelda games that follow this one pull a lot of the same elements from this one. Like it has a really per- like profound, lasting legacy that reuse a lot of the same characters and concepts from this game. I can't say enough about it. And it, it holds up. Like it's still a really, really good platformer. And I think. What's really amazing about this game and a couple of other, another at least another one on this game, th- at the time it was just revolutionary because up to this point, Legend of Zelda was already an incredibly popular series, completely in two dimensions, and people had serious doubts that they'd be able to bring it into 3D and make it and have it retain that same feel, and they were able to do it absolutely perfectly. It's really incredible. Uh, and, like, this game is an inspiration to pretty much every other kind of, like, puzzle-based platformer that's ever come after it. Uh, and it's, uh, like, the, the inventory system and the weapons and stuff. Like, I don't want to keep going on about <laughs> it. This is one of the best games ever made. It's incredible. So, Kyle, do you think it's sort of the aggregate of all of those innovations that makes Ocarina of Time such a memorable and, and such a potentially all time game. Because I agree that when, when you read through a list on, you know, on IGN or a site like that, Ocarina of Time is often like one to five ish. Um, mm-hmm. and, and I liked Ocarina of Time and loved it, but I, I, I wonder what it is that gives it such staying power. Um, I think, the part of it is is like it's kind of like um you know like old bond movies like you have to or like citizen kane like you have to appreciate yeah. it in the context of where it came you know um but that that's an unfair thing to say cuz like i said it's still really fun to play it now like it's not like it has aged poorly or yeah. anything it's like the beatles i think it's yeah <laughs> right <laughs> um I don't know, like, just the, all the memorable characters, like, the twist that Princess Zelda is actually Sheik, and, uh, like, the Gorons and the Zora people, and, like, the, the amazing, like, the game mechanic of, like, the way they use time travel, like, as a young, as a young Link, you plant a tree, and then you go to the future, and then, like, you use that tree to boost up somewhere, or, like, the, the concept of using masks, or, like, just the, it's really cleverly put together, like, thematically. Like, the way that when you're a kid, Hyrule Castle is this amazing, like, 
castle village and then when you go back there as an adult it's completely run by ganon and it's terrifying there's undead people walking around it's really really impressive storytelling for a nintendo 64 game um i i can't say enough about it and kind of it's weird to say like if we made a, a top 10 of video games i think i would put this higher but like i'm prioritizing for an n64 list i'm prioritizing the things most that I associate with N64, and by that I mean, like, the community of it and the childhood kind of association and the couch game ability of it. This is not a couch game. It's, like, you know, it's just a really good single player. Yeah, game. like you noted at the beginning, it's something you said you need to invest some time in. I just never had the chance to. It's not like Pokemon Stadium where you could just pick it up with your cousins and go game for, like, an hour. Exactly. Exactly. And, like, I, when I was a kid, I started this game and I had to stop because it was so hard. And then when I picked it back up, there's so many things you have to keep track of that you kind of have to just restart it. You can't just pick up. You have It's like a continual thing you have to be keeping track of. We spent a lot of time on it, and I don't want to do too much more. But, but I think you're totally right, Kyle. I think the point you bring up about this and what makes it an N64 game or not is really important as we define our terms here. Because when you brought up Banjo and Kazooie... The thing about the little uh, booster pack, um, or was that, sorry, DK. Um, DK. Mm-hmm. I'm getting, uh, yeah, DK. Um, it, that makes a huge difference. It's just, it's a little tactile thing that reminds you that this was an N64 game. And I think that part of what makes Ocarina of Time so influential, but also not as much of an N64 game, is that it, it's, it could very well be a PlayStation game or an Xbox game. Whereas Banjo and Kazooie or DK, those couldn't be. Those are Nintendo games. And they're not nearly the game that this is, but they're much more Nintendo. Yeah. Yeah, and not not to say that The Legend of Zelda isn't a isn't one of like the the core series for Nintendo, but it's yeah. a far it's definitely the tone of the games usually is a lot uh more serious than some of the other games we've talked about. And yeah, yeah I think I don't know. It's it's my damn list. I'm pretty comfortable like making up these rules as we go. Uh, yeah. But yeah, that's where I slot it with the understanding, of course, that this is like probably among my couple favorite games ever, and I really want to play it right now. <laughs> <laughs> I can tell he's got twitchy fingers over here. All right, enough of that. That was never enough of that. <laughs> I'm very excited for this next one. I can see I've got it. a cu- I've got a couple that I've got a couple that I know are definitely going to show up. They have. This to. is there's one this that is, obviously has to show up. This is one that I'm sure you're thinking of. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> number five is Tony Hawk Pro Skater Two. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Is there any kid that didn't have one of the Tony Hawks? Not a single one up through Tony Hawk Four. Right. I had. Well, that's not totally true. I I did, but. This is also something that's important to note about these, and for me at least with two, uh, Tony Hawk Pro Skater 2 especially, these were blockbuster games. So I rented Tony Hawk 1, like, continuously. I kept renting it, um, and then I also rented 2 and then played it at Eric's house growing up. I oh, 3 was the first one I owned. We didn't have any money mm. for like video games, so I didn't have anything until any of them until three. But uh, one and two were blockbuster slash friend games. Oh, uh, Pro Skater Two, for, has a yeah. very very special place in my heart 
because it was the first cartridge that I had that wasn't the gray. It was the blue. Yep. I had the blue cartridge. Perfect Which, example of what you were talking about. Yeah, exactly. And DK64 was a yellow cartridge, yeah. but I never owned it. Um, yeah, Tony Hawk Pro Skater 2, blue cartridge. One of the coolest things ever. I can still remember, like... The locations of all of the skate tapes in some of those, or yeah. like the, uh, or like you, you would, you would the S K A T E, yeah, and like oh the, yeah, the tapes, and like I bet if you, if I bet if you gave me an N sixty four controller right now, I could still do the cheat code for unlimited grind. Like it was just so ingrained in my head. I yeah. love that game. Also, like catching the uh, the gaps, like the air gaps, like trying to find those on every level was a ton of fun. Yep. And then uh, just leveling up your skater was, uh, for some reason, one of the more engrossing video game experiences of my young life. Just buying power-ups and stuff. Was building your own skate park available in 2 yet? Or was that a 3? That wasn't until 3. That was 3. Yeah. So I Not, think so. I think that leads to an interesting question. Uh, this is this isn't as much of an issue here because uh, one and two, I think, were really the only ones on Nintendo. Mm-hmm. Um, so we don't have as much of a split vote here. But two is such a perfect example of a game that just hit its stride and did every damn thing right. Tony Hawk One is a great idea and it's awesome. Um, I, for me, like the foundry episode or foundry level is just so like fundamental to my experience of gaming, but two was just, it was humming. Everything was so perfect. It was perfect. Yeah. And it was also like the soundtrack. It, I mean, it just sort of made you feel cooler than you were as like a little elementary school dweeb. I'm glad yeah. you brought the soundtrack up because there are still a lot of songs from that soundtrack that I listened to like routinely. I mean, I mean that was uh, that was always an integral part of Tony Hawk is like yeah. you're just tearing around skate parks at ungodly speeds and listening to like a tempo like punk rock or like just actual heavy metal songs. So I'll never forget from Tony Hawk Three my two songs that I always I always remember are Ace of Spades. Because um, that was that was one of the classics. Some, Some spades. Yep. The other one being yeah. a Blitzkrieg Bop. Uh, oh, because yeah. I was very confused on what they were saying. Yeah. I especially loved playing as Officer Dick later in uh, <laughs> Pro Skater. <2. laughs> yeah. Who who was your who was your skater in uh, THPS two? Bob Burnquist. Ooh, I would split okay. like. Sometimes when I started a game, it would be Bucky Lasik because he had like the vert skills to match up. He actually was better on the vert than Tony Hawk, which is blasphemy still in my eyes. But who was the guy with the boombox in the red? He wore like a red, like uh, the sleeveless. Was it? Feet. Co- it was like, co- yeah. It wasn't Bucky Lasik. He, he had the green shirt and the red hat. The- also, side note: Can we note that Bob Burnquist is still skating in the X Games? That yeah. guy is an ageless wonder. Yeah. Like, in the actual X Games. So, just wanted to throw out that shout-out to Bob Bernquist in here. That's an important shout-out. I heard that recently, too. I couldn't believe it. Uh, I was, a, just as a side note, I was a Bucky Lasik guy, too, because I loved his boards, because he had the duck. Like, that naughty duck. There's one <laughs> There's one that I actually had. That I guess my mom didn't look very closely, but there's a duck holding a lighter up to its butt. Uh, as though... <laughs> It's about to fart, and to me, as a kid, that I mean, what the hell? Like, that's incredible. Wait, are you saying in the video game where you got that? Like, in real no, life? no. Remember, remember, 
Remember tech decks? Did you, you guys have tech yeah. decks? Oh, yeah. Well, because yeah. I was like, why would your mom stare at whatever you bought on a video game? No, no, mom, this was, uh, I had I had the tech deck. <laughs> One of the tech decks, yeah. Mm-hmm. I was never very good at those. I would just kind of, like, move it back and forth on the table. <laughs> I was terrible at them. I just, like, looked at, looking at it. Well, when it has a design like that, I can't imagine why. <laughs> Jameson, I, Jameson, I imagine you doing a tech deck one time on your kitchen counter and then your mom beating you silly with a wooden spoon. That's kind of that's kind of an image of you or your brother Derek doing that and your mom just getting all southern on you. Yeah, it was kind of on the on the wood floors, but not on the counter. <laughs> <laughs> that's fair. And certainly not on the uh, not on the island. No, god no. That. We <laughs> That's a lesson I will soon forget. <laughs> Uh, all this to say that Tony Hawk Pro Skater 2 is the best, and uh, actually the only sports game on here, and there are a lot of good sports games on the... See, and I think I'll have something to say I know, about that later. I know you will. That's partly why I wanted you on this podcast, because I know that you're going to advocate very hard for a particular sports game, but more on that later. <laughs> uh, Alright, so that was five. Number four. Uh, it pains me to put this game this low, because it's one of my all-time favorites. It's Super Smash Brothers. I, I can dig it. Yeah, I mean, without saying, mostly because I suck at it, and therefore it wasn't as fun for me as somebody who's really good, because I would just end up button mashing, and that that's probably its biggest drawback, is it's almost, like, if you're playing with somebody who's better than you were, which in my case was always, because I didn't have an N64, so whenever I played it, mm. I was playing with somebody who had it, you were 10 times out of 10 better off by button mashing for the duration of your gaming experience rather than actually trying to figure out the controls. Mm. If something good happened, fantastic. Call down a lightning strike is like Link or Pikachu, then whatever. Mesh down B with Pikachu? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> exactly. I have no idea how that works till this day. So It's interesting perspective, and I think you're totally right, because like Cameron and I own this game, and we played a lot and got really good at it, uh, and all the subsequent ones... And so, like, that's a good point. Like, ne my my best friend growing up, still one of my best friends, Neil, uh, he didn't own it. So, like, when he would come over, we'd be like, let's play Smash! And he just, like, wouldn't want to. Because we were, you know, like, if you're not good at that game, it's not a game you can pick up and get really good at it quickly. Um, whereas a lot of other multiplayer games on N64, it's pick up and play. I mean, it, it still is super easy to pick up and play just because, I mean... Not in that sense, but you could start a game in 30 seconds after firing up the console, and that's why yeah. I was such a favorite. And, I mean, you could get away with button mashing, which I think was a reason it was so popular. But it's like it still just irks me because I still have no idea how to play that game properly, and it, it just doesn't do it for me. All right. Well, we've got Melee here, Jameson. I can, <laughs> I can teach you. Anyways, what are your thoughts, Mike? I utterly feel Jameson's pain. Uh, you have seen me smash, and um, I am not very good at smash. I so I didn't grow up. I didn't grow up as a smash guy. Um, I have never totally gotten gotten it. I I don't get it. I think it's one of those things. <laughs> I don't get it because it's a community game, and I never growing up had a good big community of gamers. So I think, I think that's my issue um, is I had a neighborhood that I grew up in and there were a couple other 
dudes that were in the neighborhood, but they weren't huge gamers. And then I moved out and then kind of just gamed alone. So some of these like really classic, you got to have a core group of people who you just like tool around on it for hours. I kind of missed out on that. So I don't, I don't totally get smash. I see it. I understand the allure, but I don't know. Well, I'm glad I'm here to advocate for it because this is one of the like. What's cool about this game is that compared to other fighting games, most fighting games, you know, you've got a health bar and you just beat your opponent until their health bar is down. Like Smash, kind of changed the game in that they introduced this concept of you have to just knock your opponent off the edge of the screen. Doing damage isn't necessarily yeah. going to guarantee you a win. It introduced the concept of a fighting game that's more than two players. It's a bunch of characters that you recognize and have played other games with. You know, it's Mario and Yoshi and Link and whoever, you know, as opposed to, like, some of these, like, Mortal Kombat. Like, you know those characters from those games, but, you know, what I mean? like, they're not from a, a shared universe like the Nintendo characters are. Mm-hmm. And it's, the, I mean, Smash has breeded three sequels and, like, probably has played more competitively than any of the other games on this list. Like, the, the degree to which you can, like, really get into this game is is incredible. Because it's, like you said, it's basic. They're, like, you know, two really primary buttons. But there's a lot to learn and a lot to get into if you want to get really good at it. Um, I think it belongs high on this list just because of, like, the lasting impression. It also, for me, has a very special place because it was my first tea game. And it was very controversial <laughs> when I got it. Oh! Was it the solid that- tea or that fuzzy tea? Uh, I believe it was a fuzzy tea. <laughs> oh, that's the that's the harsher tea. Oh, then I'm wrong because it can't be. It's just like cartoon violence. Yeah. But do you remember this that they had like the yeah, solid tea I, and then the fuzzy tea? I can distinctly remember seeing the fuzzy tea, but this this couldn't have been because it's just it's cartoon violence and that's really it. But my mom was hesitant to get me this one uh, for good reason. I became a much more violent child after playing it. Probably. Yeah. I was, was gonna say that's. That's the real issue is is not that the game itself was so bad. It's it's you playing with your friends and, and learning to say fuck and other such <laughs> things because you just got knocked off the side. That's fair because like that, this was the most violent game I encountered until I picked up a copy of Grand Theft Auto at one point. Wow. Oh boy! Really there. <laughs> yeah, jeez, Jameson. It's like you know, it's so I t- funny. I, I smoked my first cigarette and then I woke up in a crack den several days later. What? No, I'm just saying I played this for a long time because, I mean, obviously, uh, it was like PS2. I'm telling gotcha. you, we didn't have a lot of, like, video game consoles in my life growing up until about 14 years old. 13 or 14. It was always at friends' houses, so. I was I was always trying to have to get my hits on the sly, you know. <laughs> get, catch my fix. I gotcha. All right, well, we can move on, uh, but just let it be noted that I am a big fan of Super Smash Brothers. No, and and the reception, the reception, and, and the lasting importance is huge. We get it, even though it's maybe yeah. not our game. It's everybody's game. We get it. All right, uh, let's recap six through four, or let's just do them all. Ten was DK, nine was Banjo and Kazooie, eight Pokemon Stadium, seven Star Fox, six Ocarina of Time, five Tony Hawk Pro Skater, two. Four Super Smash Brothers. Let's get into the top three. Number three is one of the greatest multiplayer couch games ever. It's GoldenEye. And that's why it deserves to be so high. Oh my god, the multiplayer on this was incredible. 
I honestly don't remember much of the single player. I remember bits and pieces of it. I never they played were always the fun. Player. Yeah. Um, but there's always so much you can do, like with the N64's engine, you can just like kind of change the appearance of each level, and you're just shooting baddies in the head. It's much <laughs> more fun to shoot your friends in the head. Agreed. Yes. Um, also, the fact that they had a guided missile as one of the guns you could pick up. Game changer. Played the castle. Uh, admittedly, I always played this on a PS4 at my cousin's house, so it was it may have been a little different, but man, the castle level where you're playing all, across the snow. PS- and, you, sorry, you said PS4, I'm sure you... Or, sorry, yeah. yeah, PlayStation. Yeah. Yeah, sorry. It's It's been a while since these games were in vogue, but... Uh, I just wanted to make sure this didn't exist for PS4, because I own a PS4. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was actually uh, starting to check Amazon. I was about to purchase that. <laughs> But, sorry, sorry for uh, that false move, but, yeah, shooting people across from, like, castle to castle, great stuff. And then the Desert Eagle gun is, like, it's an enduring weapon because it continues to be in games down through the ages all the way to one of our modern-day favorites, the uh, Nathan Drake series. Yeah, I think, like, that. if we did a list of video game weapons, the Golden Gun from GoldenEye is probably, like, number one right or oh, it's, yeah. it is number one yeah it's decidedly number one right i think i think the thing about this james bond game and, and you both mentioned it kind of the single player it's good but there's actually other i think other james bond video games that have better single player i think Nightfire had incredible single player um there's one industrial espionage level that's just primo um but that multiplayer was just generational. It was generational. Th- this it's was revolutionary. A, this, yep, absolutely. Because all the other, I mean, a lot of the games on this list are multiplayer, but this is the only, this is the first multiplayer shooter, really, that was popular. And, like, pretty, like every multiplayer shooter since has taken something from it. Um, I think, like, it was, I think Doom is, like, the first first-person shooter, but that obviously wasn't multiplayer. Like, this was totally new ground. Also, among all-time great things, I think I read a list a couple years ago of, like, the biggest dick moves you could do in a video game. <laughs> and number one was playing as Oddjob in this game. Oh, because, yeah. yeah. Because his character model is slightly shorter than everybody else, which meant that you had to adjust your height level. So to shoot him in, to shoot him, like where everyone else, you could just do it at like your regular, regular, regular level. from firing from the hip kind of thing. Yeah, which is hilarious. <laughs> I, I thought I actually thought you're gonna, I actually thought you're gonna go with biggest stick moves would be like shooting your teammate. Um, because because if I am I remembering correctly that there was a team version, like there was a team. Uh, yeah, game they, that you ca- can play multiplayer. Oh, ca- Capture the flag was one of the best. Yeah. I mean, just one of the all time great. Yeah. Like, video game modes ever. Yeah, I was trying to make sure I wasn't crazy here. Yeah, that's another fun dick move that I always enjoyed engaging in, was uh, shooting my own teammates in Capture the Flag, so I could have the glory of capturing said flag. Uh, Even though I had let my pawn do all the work, I would then shoot them and take the fight for myself. Seize the flag and carry it on to glory for Mother Russia. Yes. Pull off the pull off the James Bond mask. Yeah. <laughs> it's me, a lot of vagina. <laughs> Kyle, Wait, is that is real? far too ridiculous. And no, a lot of vagina is, is, awesome from, is from Austin Powers. 
However, uh, Tiffany Case, which is not as ridiculous, but uh, oh, Plenty O'Toole. Pussy uh, Galore is what I'm thinking. Pu- yeah. pussy, pussy Galore is number one, obviously. Um, Xenia on a top. Uh, there's a few others, but obviously the all-time greatest, which just for the listeners, just as a James Bond anecdote here, um, the best moment I think that the three of us have ever had watching a movie was watching, I think it was You Only Live Twice, whatever one of the more ridiculous oh, yeah. James Bond movies is, which I recently found out for you was actually written by Roald Dahl, the children's what? writer. No, yes. you're kidding. Check it out, Roald Dahl. Um, in the film, in one of the Austin Powers movies, a character says, in my country, men come first. I think this is actually a lot of vagina. It says, men come first and women come second. And then... Austin Powers says, or sometimes not at all. And we're like, ah, that's so funny. What a gross joke. And there's that's like a funny spoof of some comment that Sean Connery might have made. And then we watched You Only Live Twice. And James is being attended to uh, by a number of geisha women. And literally that line comes up word for word. And it was not the most un- we thought it was a joke, and it was real word for word. Yeah, no, because there was he had like the Japanese businessman with him too, and like it, in some fashion, it comes out of their mouths. It was unreal, and we decided that they just couldn't spoof it better than it already spoofed itself. So no, and I do think just to bring it around so that this part of the conversation has some meaning. Um, I <laughs> think that, that yeah, I think that this does contribute to why Goldeneye is so memorable is because I also think that the idea of a video game that was tied so strongly to an existing uh, property like that on a home platform rather than like an arcade game that that wasn't a huge thing this was really like the first big one like if you think about it if you think back was there a great star wars game i think that there were some arcade games that spawned off that but that wasn't really the way that that these kind of models worked um but this is james bond (laughs) this is james freaking bond yeah it's true yeah, the Star Wars platform games are always, like, kind of spinoffs where you played, like, a random, like, rebel, whatever, trooper. Yeah, the good Star Wars games were arcades. Were arcade games, yeah. Specifically the one at Chuck E. Cheese where you and you're shooting stormtroopers. Yeah, but then they replaced it with the Pod Racer one when uh, Phantom Menace came out, and God, good lord. They ruined everything. George Lucas and his money-grabbing ways. <laughs> Anyways, <laughs> that's Goldeneye. <laughs> <laughs> and that's Goldeneye. Yeah. Uh, all right, we're moving into our top two. Number two, Mario Kart 64. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of people will tell you, and I won't put up a big fight, that Mario Kart 64 is still the greatest of the Mario Karts. I have a particular affinity for Double Dash, uh, obviously. <laughs> just a quick aside because i I just want to talk about it the first semester of our senior year between lunch and our our next class in the afternoon we had about an hour to kill and every day that semester we played a full 16 course grand every single day one of the best six months of my life that was glorious 
Anyways, that's Double Dash. But the precursor and the reason we were able to enjoy Double Double Dash so ridiculously and irresponsibly is because <laughs> Mario Kart 64 came before it. Yeah, hi mom. Sorry I spent so much time playing Double Dash. Now you, now you know. <laughs> uh, Mario Kart 64 is still widely played today. Uh, sometimes while drinking beer, sometimes while not. I, it's really similar to uh, one of the honorable mentions on this list in a lot of ways, Diddy Kong Racing. But Diddy Kong Racing is clearly just a ripoff of it. Um, yeah, I don't know what to say. Like, there was a Mario Kart before Mario Kart 64. There was a Mario Kart on the Super Nintendo, but no one really remembers it. And, like, all of your classic Mario Kart strategies of, like, dropping a banana or, like, throwing a green shell behind you to block a red shell originated in this game. This is where the blue shell, the blue swift wings of justice, first made its appearance. Um... Hi, Alex. Hope you're still sucking it somewhere from all of those. <laughs> yeah. Um, Mario Kart was fun, or 64 was great because it had, uh, it, like, they got rid of this for Double Dash, but the string of five bananas that you could trail behind yeah. you. Yeah. Also, um, the ability to hold but not release a shell and just an keep item, that as protection, yeah. like, semi-permanently. And some of the greatest tracks of the Mario Kart universe are out of 64. Oh. Like, remember the uh, Yoshi's Canyon with that giant, like, spinning egg? Oh, yeah. I think even harder than a lot of the Rainbow Roads, is cause which are normally considered to be, like, the hardest tracks, I think harder than those is Banshee Boardwalk. Remember how devious that was? Yeah, I mean, that that one scared me. Like, just straight up. Because I, I remember playing it when I was really young, and, I mean, Ghost terrifying falling off into an endless abyss terrifying that i remember being genuinely terrified of do you remember okay bowser's castle from this game you have to navigate like that big chamber where the or the i think they're called thwomps and they like uh they like go back and forth and you can see their shadow on the ground and you have to avoid them as they drop yeah but when you get to the end of the hall there's a cage and behind the cage, there's, like, a big green thwomp. It's green for some reason and, like, more evil-looking than the rest. That scared me, like, to the point where I would dream about it. Oh, God! <laughs> like, like, have nightmares of that mean green thwomp. Yeah. There's a lot of classic tracks in that game. Uh, it's easier to pick up and play with your friends than, I think, Goldeneye. Definitely Smash Brothers. It, it's probably the best multiplayer experience on N64. I mean, I'd agree. I guess my problem here is that so much of the way I think about this game is shaped by Double Dash, unfortunately. Like, because thinking about, like, I, I think about it from the example, like, we were talking about the bananas and being able to hold items behind you. I miss that in Double Dash, but I think about it because I miss it in Double Dash. Um, but, like, that being said, I think you made a great point about it being the catalyst and it was such a good game that they ended up making more because undoubtedly if you look across sort of the generations Mario Kart has been by far and away Nintendo's greatest like just consistently greatest platform game I mean I know for a fact that Mario Kart 7 the new one that just came out this summer has gotten rave reviews and unfortunately I haven't been able to play it yet but I played as recently as the one that came out on the Wii, and it's amazing. And that one, and that was when they introduced online play, and you could play locally with two people online. So Cam and I would play 
two-player online all the time. It's super fun. Derek and I would do the same. We'd always get matched up against some kids from China, and they'd kick our ass. You'd always know, because you could see on their names, you'd be like, well, we're coming in 7th and 8th in this one. But that that game, like, just doesn't get old. It's a classic, and they find ways to improve on it a little little bit each time. But the core is the same. It's always the same, like, like the staple items. Like, everyone knows the staple items from Mario Kart, you know? Like, hitting someone with a green shell, one of the best feelings you can have while gaming. It's amazing. And and honestly, uh, getting back to sort of the pickup and playability, uh, the fact that it's super communist is always a really big boon to playability. Mario Kart 64 is not as socialistic as uh, Double Dash. I've found. Um, Double Dash is a cruel, cruel mistress. And by the way, like... Double Dash, outside of our friend group, is not actually very positively regarded. It's usually, like, considered one of the worst centuries in the... In, like, why are there two people on this card? Uh, regardless, I think it'll, it'll be hard to convince me to move Mario Kart 64 any lower. You could maybe argue it a little higher, like, even though it's number two. Yeah, it, just, it, abso- <laughs> it absolutely deserves to be up here. I think we kind of all know what number one is going to be now, but I think its number two spot is so deserved. I think there's a few other games that we've talked about that have had a, a larger influence um, on later games, but I don't think that there's a game on this list that is as immediately playable tomorrow as, uh, Super- as Mario Kart 64. Like, we could play Mario Kart 64 tomorrow and get a level of enjoyment out of it that we couldn't from any other game on N64. Agreed. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, so I think probably everyone that's played an N64 knows what's coming next. I think this is a better game than Ocarina, and I think like on a lot of lists of all-time video games, this is number one, or number two. Uh, it's Super Mario 64. Obviously, this is the this, this is the greatest I, game ever made. There's in my, there's no question. This is the greatest game ever made. And on top of that, I think even though we've we've discussed kind of at length that this list has different rules than just the greatest video game of all time, I still think it's the best N64 game of all time because of a combination of its lasting legacy and just how amazing it is to play from start to finish. But like, this is the iconic game on n64 i don't know anybody that didn't have this game like this is not a game that you had to go to your friend's house to play because you just had it like in every single world in this game is memorable like there's the 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 bob-omb like fortress you have to go to the top and and defeat the Mm bomb and then there's the the sunken ship where you have to the the jolly roger Jolly Rogers Bay. You have to race that penguin down that slide. That's that to me. To if if I had to pick the one, like the one iconic moment of this game, which is brutally difficult to do because there's about thirty. I think it's the race down the mountain with the penguin. Like that's the thing with it yeah. with that po- with that sort of uh, square dance music in the background. Enough of that. <laughs> Everyone knows that, and then like every it's a, it's funny how like quickly you can go into the castle and immediately go up to the right, go into that room with the pictures of Peach, and everyone knows you jump in the left one for that slide mini game. Yep. Everyone knows that. And then there's like the never ending staircase if you haven't unlocked enough stars to be uh, to go up to Bowser yet. There's so many iconic moments in that game. It's like the greatest platformer of all time. It's another one of those instances where they perfectly took a game that felt so unique in 2D, Super Mario Brothers, and 
translated it seamlessly into a 3D game. Uh, I can't say enough about it. I actually, I replayed this one in college because I'd never gotten all 120 in, as a kid. And it was pretty, ch it's pretty challenging to get all, all 120 stars, but I did it. And I had my date with Yoshi on the roof. I'm very proud of that. Nice. I mean, it, it's a testament to how enduring it is that just last month I watched a video on YouTube of a guy beating the game in, like, three minutes through various hacks and, like, just glitches. So, I mean, that's not something you can say about a game that's, what, about 20 years old at this point. So, that's where I, I leave my testament about this anything else mike or i mean it's pretty clear that i think this one for all of us is probably gonna stay at number one but yeah i think my thought of this is just it was possible to play with several other people and kyle you know i like this i like watching other people game this is the ultimate watchable game like you could just sit there my sisters and i would play this one and I'll never forget our probably our most difficult star was on the uh, the mountain the the snowy mountain level whatever whatever that one was called um, where you had to do that ridiculous like triple jump and then bounce off the wall like that was that was the star that we had the most trouble getting and I must have watched my sister Felicia try to do that for an hour and then my sister Nicole do it for an hour and then me for an hour and. I don't even remember who ended up getting it, but I think that's the point because it was it was like we were playing it no matter who had the controller, which that's the idea that that was possible is wild. That's a revolution in itself uh, that it was possible to feel that way. And you did throughout. And that's that's that will always be my memory is there's so many different parts of this game that made it great. But no matter what part you were doing, it felt like an experience. Like it was a, it was an experience. Yeah, it's it's an all time great and a classic. And I think it's we've said enough. Yeah, I'll walk through I'll walk through our ten real quick just to give a refresher, and then I'll quickly go through some honorable mentions. Uh, so ten DK sixty four nine Banjo and Kazooie eight Pokemon Stadium seven Star Fox six Ocarina of Time number five Tony Hawk Pro Skater four Smash Bros three GoldenEye two Mario Kart. One Mario sixty four. Uh, some quick honorable mentions. Um, it bears mentioning just because it's probably just as good as Ocarina. Some people would say like one A, one B's Majora's Mask. Um, Mike, I know one of your favorite is Army Men, Sarge Zeros. Yeah, I was really hoping that that would show up on this list. Uh, I don't know if this is a battle I'm gonna win, but it's a battle I'm gonna damn well fight on behalf of Sarge. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so that's. That's one that you'll be fighting for. One that I'm confident Jameson will be fighting for is Mario Golf. Absolutely. Yeah. That is a all-timer. Yeah. We mentioned Diddy Kong Racing. One of my favorite games ever that just, like, no one really knows about is Paper Mario. Derek loves that game. I never really played it. It's amazing. It's a really, really well-put-together RPG, and I recommend it for anyone that has a N64 lying around. And if you don't, play uh, Paper Mario 2. It's just as good on GameCube. <laughs> um... Let's see. Mario Tennis is a lot of fun. But... It's a lot of fun. It's not the not quite as good as Mario Golf, but it, it's still just really easy to pick up and play. Yeah, there's not a lot there. What's there is good. Yeah. Um, I liked playing that one a lot. Pokemon Snap is another one where there's not a lot there, but I really love playing Pokemon Snap. <laughs> uh, 
That was a good one. And this is one that I think people might give grief over. I don't really feel compelled to include it on the list is all of the damn Mario parties. Because there are so damn many of them. Like, just on the N64, there were like five. That's fair, but if you're going to include Pokemon Stadium for the mini games, then the Mario parties at least deserve an honorable mention. Because that was the other one you couldn't get away from if you went to a sleepover, is you would play Mario Party at some point. Yeah, the thing about Mario Party is that I don't think any of them stand out in my head as like being from one game or another, which I guess we had the same problem with Pokemon Stadium. But like those games were largely interchangeable for me and like as far as multiplayer goes, it wasn't I just like never had as much fun playing those as I did like other games where you could all play simultaneously like yeah, you know, not that you couldn't play Mario Party simultaneously, but they were just they kind of dragged and like I don't know. We can talk about it. I was never a huge fan of Mario Party, and that's why it's an honorable mention. See, I feel like even though it it is a rule that I probably introduced, I've decided uh, because I like making and on making rules uh, that there's so many Mario Parties that it's sort of unfair to penalize it for how many there are um, for splitting the vote. And yes, they totally are all interchangeable, and I can't remember any specific thing about any one that stands out. But damn. That was fun. I love the fact that uh, the folks at Nintendo were so arrogant as to call it Mario Party. Like, if you have a party, you are playing this game. And we did. We absolutely did. And if you are playing this game, you're having a party. I mean, that's, that's absolutely fair. But, like, think about this list. They are riding super high on Mario. We did whatever Mario told us to do at this point oh. in our lives, as evidenced by this list. Yeah, I mean, Mario Nintendo system. We it played. Makes sense. We played tennis. We played golf. We play, We drove go karts because Mario told us to. If Mario tells us to have a party, we're throwing a party. It's true. Just as much as when Aaron Carter told us to throw a party at the same time. So yeah, frankly, I think we would have probably gone. Um, we, we would have done just about anything that Mario told us at this time. Mario, yeah, whatever. <laughs> Mario Badminton, yeah. Sign me up. I'm in. <laughs> Um, so, all right, let's, let's get, let's cut right to the core of this, because I know what you guys are going to argue for, among, um, at least to start. If you guys want to insert Mario Golf, Jameson, and Army Men, Mike, which games do you think on this list are the, are the targets to come off of it? There's another one I wanted to throw in there. Oh, sure. (laughs) Uh, NBA Jam, three on three. (laughs) Because you could dunk from half court. (laughs) You could hit floaters from half three quarters of the way down the court. It's basically the predecessor to NBA Street that no one knew uh, that just came out, and Michael Jordan was in it. So what else do you really need? It w- it was just insanely easy to pick up and play. Um, it was a lot of fun. I mean, I guess the one thing that would take away from it was it also was simultaneously released as an arcade game. And I think probably got a lot more play as an arcade game. Yeah. But at the same time, it was still so damn enjoyable to play. (laughs) So it's interesting. I actually had a different uh, N64 basketball game in mind. um, And I'm sure that I have nobody in my camp with me. uh, But my game is NBA Courtside. So this one had Kobe Bryant on the cover. Um, I played this one a lot. And I really liked it. And very strangely particularly for somebody who's at least nominally a Celtics fan um I love it because it reminds me of the dominance of the late 90s early 2000s Lakers 
So, like I said, Kobe was on the cover, and the team of Kobe, and then Shaq, obviously, and then I think they had like Robert Horry or Ori or however the hell you pronounce yeah. it. Big uh, shot, Bob. Yeah, probably Derek Fisher might have been on the team that's, at that that's time. That's the right. That's the right team, right time. Yeah. Time. Oh man, that team was filthy. I mean. I'm really glad that it just reminds us of the early 2000s Lakers, mostly because you look back on that 17 years later and just the way that they fell apart and crumbled because oh, yeah. the egos were there is, I, I mean, something that we all should be reminded of, if not daily, then weekly. But uh, you're you're right. I'm not in your camp on this one. I'm more of an arcade style for this early in the game. Also, because I remain convinced that NBA Street would not have been made without NBA Jam. And therefore, we would not have Game Breakers or just generally really cool YouTube videos where people try to emulate how Game Breakers worked. So, But, but you know what else we wouldn't have uh, without that? We also wouldn't have uh, Street Ball, which was the pathetic knockoff version of NBA Street. Um, in which there was a player who, I forget what his name was. It was like sack lunch or something. <laughs> uh, and he was That's terrible. Sick. Yeah, it was bad. And they used to say the only good thing that came from that game was the announcer saying in and out like a fast food restaurant. <laughs> but other than that, there was nothing good about it. Yeah. Well, I mean, that that's fair, but man, your game break is almost full player. Yeah, that was great. It, it doesn't that, get much better than that. Yeah, and the Dr. J ripoff was was the best. Oh, yeah, without a doubt. So um, as far as where I'd put that one, that would probably be... <clears throat> I mean, I just never really played Banjo and Kazooie, so I'd probably slot it in there at number nine for the, uh, NBA Jam. And I know that it, that's not going to fly with either of you, so I'll just leave it there on my personal one. Well, though I know it won't. I'm not opposed to including... I never played that game, but I don't know. I, would, I could be convinced that... I think there are probably bigger fish to fry than that game in terms of like notoriety, but I would agree that I think I think I may have goofed a little in in ordering it the way I did because I think Banjo is a pretty good candidate to come off the list. Maybe I don't know. It's a, it a lot about it. it has we talked about how it has those really cool um, like landscapes and level design, but there's not a whole lot that makes it unique in terms of platformers, and it doesn't have a cool rap. But I would so I would argue that I would argue that it actually does have something that's unique, uh, particularly in the Nintendo space, which is that it's a totally new character. That's so I think true. that's a, that's like a big step out for the folks at Nintendo that I think Banjo and Kazooie represents. I, I'm sure my game history is off, and it wasn't the first, but it's it's at least in my opinion probably the most memorable step yeah. outside the franchise for like a platformer. Um, so I think that it, it is memorable. If I'm looking at this, the couple that I think are a little bit vulnerable, I think DK64 is vulnerable. Um, love the rap, but I, I think overall it's it's a good game. I don't think it's a great game. And I, I do think it's going to pay me to say this. Potentially, potentially Pokemon Stadium is a little vulnerable. I was going to say um, that too, just because its lasting impression is not even the primary component of the game. And the fact that we talked yeah. about how it's largely interchangeable with Pokemon Stadium too. Yeah. So I'll, I'll hit you with a couple of mine that I'm thinking about. Um, so Army Man, Sarge's Heroes, of course. Uh, 
all-time favorite. A big part of that is because it reminds me of playing with my dad. It was like a big game that my dad and I played with each other. My dad tricked my mom into getting him a T-rated game and then playing it with me all the time, um, <laughs> which, as the two of you know, is, is fairly typical of my dad. Um, so, so I love that game. There's nothing particularly special about this other than the conceit of it being army men. And, like, there's the, the one where you're in the bathroom and you're, like, fighting in the sink and stuff. Like, that's awesome. That was a great idea. Overall, it's a little bit silly. If there's one you're in the grass and there's big ants. It's Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. I mean, but at the same time, this is in 64. We're not talking, like, Call of Duty style early Xbox or whatever style game. It, I mean, in 64 at its heart, as evidenced by a lot on our list, is campy. And so, yeah, and so Jameson, I don't, I don't think that the camp is a detractor. I think it's, I think it's totally a factor in why this is such a memorable game. But I think it might be really the only factor. Like the shooting system isn't, isn't amazing. Um, you know, the multiplayer is, I think, very good, but it's not revolutionary. I think the big thing that makes this game last is that you have levels that are so kooky. Um, but but I think that's really kind of the big thing it has going for it. Yes, I do remember the cheat codes for unlimited ammo and all weapons, viscerals and mimal viscerum. Uh, I could type those into the damn thing right now and get all the AK-47 rounds I want. And never use it because I hated the AK-47. I loved flamethrowing people and bazooking people, no matter how unnecessary. Man, you're a sadistic son of a bitch, aren't you? A little bit. It probably doesn't belong in this list. I just wanted to talk about it for a minute there. Uh, a couple other ones that I think we you need to look at. Um, Toy Story game. I loved the damn Toy Story game. Another one. I'm not sure it totally belongs on this list. I really love that Toy Story game. Um, I actually have never played it, so I cannot. Oh, it. it actually reminds oh. me a lot of Sarge's because it's like it's set in a house, kind of like a exactly. Know. That's that's kind of the central conceit. It's that's why it's so fun. To those. Yeah, yeah. But all right, I've got I've got three that I actually think deserve uh, consideration here. So one is Mario Party um, that I think we talked about. I would stump for that at least being considered at the back end of this list. Uh, one I would also consider is All-Star Baseball 2001. Uh, so that is one of the all-time great video game uh, sports games. So, like, the Madden games on this console were okay. They're not great. The Madden games really came into their own on PlayStation console. But the All-Star Baseball games were outstanding. They, I believe, introduced the concept of the power swing. Um, so you could change from having your cursor being large and low power to being concentrated and powerful. They had a level that was the Field of Dreams uh, at Cooperstown uh, where you could actually play at that. It was really, really neat. It was at the height of the steroid era. So it was really fun. Like it, it was a blast. You could put Andreas Galarraga. You could play with Rafael Palmero, Ken Griffey, Barry Bonds. Jeff Bagwell, you know, Maguire, anybody, Sosa. Maguire, Sosa, Manny Ramirez, uh, the Indians team in this game is insane, yeah, insane, Tome, Alomar, Alomar, Justice, Ramirez, I, I, it's crazy, Vizquel, Bartolo Colon, a young, like, first, first leg of his career, Bartolo Colon. Yet they still couldn't win a World Series. Sorry, Cleveland. I know. 
It's fairly pathetic. But at any rate, this this game actually, I, I do think, deserves consideration. We don't have a lot of sports game representation, and this, to me, is the sports game from the Nintendo platform. I will say I more strongly associate baseball on the N64 with <laughs> I know where you're going with this one. Hi, I'm Ken Griffey Jr. Let's play Major League Baseball. Showtime. I think that one of those, like, is a, or if we just do one, like, as a proxy for baseball on N64, I'm okay with seeding to All Star Baseball. Um, but I think it's important to have a sports game on here that's not. You know Mario, Mario Kart, <laughs> or even or even Mario Golf. I yeah. think I think it's more important to have one on here that's from the actual sports world. And if NBA Jam must go by the wayside, I think either King Griffey Baseball or All Star Baseball would be I a think, worthy. I think we leave basketball off because there's a much better version of that game that comes out for the GameCube and NBA Street. Agreed. And I think I don't. I don't know if you could argue that there were like really much better versions. I actually prefer like the old baseball games to the new ones because it was so absolutely. Much well, I mean, I th- really think baseball games peaked with MVP two thousand four, but um, uh, I mean that's neither here nor there because that's a GameCube game. But I think it is here though. I do think it's important. I would personally argue that they peaked with All Star Baseball two thousand one. I think was the greatest. Um, baseball game that there was i think but i do think it's important we take a stand on which side of the aisle we're going here because i think yes we should have ken griffey or all-star baseball here but i think we really need to decide which one we think matters because ken griffey is the obviously nintendo-y sort of nintendoized version of this um because it's a little bit more cartoonish but i think that the all-star baseball franchise was better I, overall, it's a better, more memorable to me. It's not as memorable in the goofiness, but it's a little bit more memorable in terms of quality. You played both, and I only played Ken Griffey, so I will cede to you on, on this one. Let's include All-Star. Um, I'm comfortable taking DK or Pokemon Stadium off. Um, I, I, would, I, I feel like I would. you could really probably take either of those off for me. Just because what we said about Pokemon Stadium being like the mini games and then DK being like fun but not super. I would give DK the edge just because of the rap and the chip. <laughs> like that chip really stands out to me. I love that damn chip. All right. So let, uh, now let me. Can I give my one last one that I think uh, deserves oh, yeah. consideration? I have one more game. This one I think like really we need to consider, and that's Yoshi Story. Mm. Uh, so I don't know if either of you played Yoshi Story. I did not um, have the pleasure. I thought I played that on Game Boy. You you may well have. I think that they've continued the Yoshi Story franchise uh, in some capacity, but it is a truly glorious game. This is one I have strong memories of renting. Um, and you play as Yoshi, but there are also a bunch of other, I don't know what they're called, like what the creatures are, uh, but there's several other uh, Yoshi folks out there. Um and it was a wondrous game. What you did or why, I cannot remember. <laughs> but goddamn, that was a fun game. And I think other about... people think I think other people think so too. So I'm not like totally on an island here. No, though I realize is... I realize as I'm saying it, I have no basis for this. I can't remember anything about it. <laughs> <laughs> 
I would say because it doesn't seem to have made a super lasting impression on you, maybe it doesn't belong in the top ten, but it's a very good honorable mention. Yeah. Is that fair? Yeah, that's fair. It was awesome. <laughs> you guys should play it. I don't remember shit about it. I just remember it was great. I remember, I associate Yoshi more strongly with, in, he was in Super Mario World 2. Yeah. And like, oh no, what? Also, I think it was Game Boy. Like, because I, I distinctly remember like a really cool game mechanic where you could like throw eggs and like hit things from far away. But I think that, I don't remember playing it on N64, but, and he has that cool flutter kick. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. Um... Yeah. Uh, and plus Yoshi is just so so darn cute. Yeah. Yeah, he is. He's also one of the best baseball players in uh, Mario Baseball, so... That's true. He's a great center fielder. All right, then. So, do you what do you guys want to do? Do you want to take Pokemon Stadium off and slot in All-Star Baseball? And then... Uh, how you, you still haven't really had your pitch for Mario Golf yet. Um, see, I mean, I don't... I don't think that Mario Golf deserves to go in over any of these games, unfortunately. Just kind of looking up and down, because, I mean, these are some absolute icons. And That's the problem with this list, is stacked. I mean, Mario, Mario Golf is a great game, and, I mean, I played the Game Boy game way more than the N64 game. But, I mean, it was just so easy to pick up and play. I mean, anybody could have fun. I could laugh at Derek shanking shots into, like, the dunes. Uh, and, I mean, it was a lot of fun because it was very easy to sort of level up and, like, win a club championship. And yeah. then, uh, I mean, you could beat that thing in, like, four hours if you really just kind of stuck to the main story mode. But there were interesting side quests and things to do mm -hmm. along the way. So, but it just doesn't deserve to get in over any of these sort of icons i think as far as ordering goes i think there's there's some reordering we might want to do as yeah, well yeah. uh so i think Star Fox 64 deserves a higher place on this list um i think it definitely deserves to be above ocarina of time and i think it potentially um deserves to be above tony hawk i think if we're gonna take seriously the idea that a game needs to be very couchy to be high on this list, I think it deserves probably to go above Ocarina. I'm adamant that Ocarina needs to be on this list somewhere. It does. Um, it, oh, absolutely. But, I mean, it, it, it just, like, for the criteria, it, it's just a bit of a struggle. All right, so let's move. I could get on board. Star because of Fox. how much we quote it, why don't we put Star Fox above Tony Hawk 2? So why don't we do, why don't we do Star Fox at 5? And then just slide down. So we'll do Ocarina at 7, Tony Hawk at 6, and Star Fox at 5. Alright. And um, are, what do you think? I kind of actually like the idea of just taking Pokemon Stadium off and putting All-Star Baseball right there at 8 and, and putting it immediately above Banjo and DK. That feels appropriate to me. Yeah. I agree. I Mike, were you in agreement that I kind of just unilaterally made that decision but um, of NBA being off the list just because of what comes later with NBA Street. I do think that's right. I actually do have I, I do have one more edit that I think I might want to make order wise. Um I think Banjo and Kazooie should be higher on this list. Really? Um I do. I think not not crazy higher, but I think it should go above I do think it should go actually so I, I take back what I said about All Star Baseball sliding right in there. I think it should go above All Star Baseball and I think potentially above Ocarina. Um I, I don't like that. I mean I 
I mean, I haven't really ever played it, but I mean that I, to me that says volumes about it as as far as an N sixty four game though, is that um, that I just don't associate it as my. I mean, everybody knows Ocarina of Time. I, I mean, even if you haven't really gamed a lot, it's just you you know what that game is, or you know of it, you've heard of it. I haven't really heard of Banjo and Kazooie. Really, I, I don't, I don't think that I'm gonna go at it from a name, name brand perspective. I just think that putting Ocarina of Time lower than seven on this list is a discredit to how amazing it is. And I think Kyle's face will start to melt even, like the end of Indiana Jones, <laughs> even though it's like because past past Ocarina of Time on this list, it's not like a lot of these games are couchier than it, like. Banjo and Kazooie is easier and yeah. it's more kid friendly, but it's not necessarily more of a communal game than Ocarina of Time is, yeah. and that's, that's why true. I was comfortable putting Star Fox above it. Um, I, I'm pretty, I'm pretty set on keeping Ocarina where it is. I think, but I, I agree. Let's put Banjo over All Star Baseball, though. Yeah. Okay. I can get on board with that. As far as far as the rest of the list. It it becomes a bit hard, but I mean maybe the only edit I would make is maybe slot Goldeneye up one more it's, over Mario Kart. It's tough, but I think I might push it up to two just because of how revolutionary and how easily you could get lost in that game. I mean, lost in playing like the capture the flag mode or just the multiplayer. Um, I. And, and then you throw in the fact that there was a single-player campaign. It just had more to offer than Mario Kart did um, at the top. So I I just think it's a better overall game and included all the couchiness that you could want from um, from an N64 game. I guess the only downside to argue against myself, though, is that it was a max two-player game while you could play... Was it? Is that true? I think you could play four. No, no, no. That was four. That's yeah. the oh, famous well, then... split screen. No, well, no. Then... Jameson, you were arguing so eloquently. You swayed both sides of the house here. We were both on board. Okay. Sold. Well, yeah. I could, I, I could see it in Kyle's eyes, and I know you sold me. I, I'm, yeah. I think those those games are are close. I'm not going to quibble with putting one above the other. They're both so amazing. Uh, but I think. I think part of it is that, like, Mario Kart, there are a lot of amazing Mario Karts. And there are a lot of good Bond games, but no one really remembers any of them besides Goldeneye. Yeah. Now, nobody's quoting Agent Under Fire uh, when they're talking <laughs> about Bond games. That's true. <laughs> Although it did, have a fun, it did have a fun photon cannon. I don't need to get into it, but whatever. Well, gentlemen, that brings us pretty close to having a full list. Unless you I think we've got a list. I think this is it. Yeah. Looks good, Jameson. Uh, why don't you run it off for the for the the viewer or the listener, I guess, just to to cap it. All right, here we go from the top. Number ten, DK sixty four. Number nine, a new edition, All Star Baseball. Number eight, moving up, Banjo and Kazooie. Number seven, dropping down a little bit from our original list, Ocarina of Time. Number six, Tony Hawk Pro Skater two. Uh, which I think should win the soundtrack of this list, but Certainly. that's neither here but nor not there. best rap track. Yeah, different podcast for a different day, my friend. Keep moving. <laughs> number five, Star Fox sixty four. Number four, Super Smash Bros. Number three, Mario Kart sixty four. 
Number two, GoldenEye. And number one, the immortal Super Mario 64. Wonder bar. Thank you, gentlemen. Indeed. It's uh, been you. a pleasure. Thanks for having me on. Anytime. Jameson, you will be back on very soon. <laughs> Alrighty, friends. That was our top 10 for this week, but now we'd love to hear your top 10. So please check us out on all of our available social media outlets, traditional outlets, whatever outlets we have. Check us out on Twitter at Top10KM. That's all spelled out, Top10KM. Our email, Top10KM, spelled the same way, at gmail.com. Or our site, top10km.podbean.com. All forms of communication accepted, except for serial killer notes. Please don't send us any of those. If you like the pod, be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcast so you never have to miss an episode of Top 10 ever again. If you didn't like it, please tell us why. We'll try to make the show better. Our theme music was composed by Kevin McLeod, and our artwork was created by Aaron Sant. You can check out her stuff at Sant Design on Instagram. Alrighty, goons, we'll see you next week.